You can run. You don't have to trot. You don't have to, to look around every corner. You know where you're going. You know what's ahead, and you can run. How many of you remember? I know none of you were, were troublemakers like, like I used to be. But if you ever found yourself having to run, but you were scared, whether like you're, you're waiting for the police to pop out or you're waiting for some kind of rival to pop out, so you kind of do that half run where you're like, like this. What, what Jesus is saying is if you can see a clear vision, you can run flat out. I remember that happened to me. This isn't my notes, but I'm going to share with you guys anyway. I remember that happened to me. Me and one of my best friends when I was in, uh, we must have been seventh or eighth grade, snuck out of his parents' house and ran across a few streets. And these, these guys and the police, I don't know how that happened. But first it was a, a group of guys, they, they jumped out of cars. We're only in seventh grade, so we obviously were not driving. We hid behind a couple of cars. They pulled up, shined their, their headlights underneath the cars we were hiding behind and said, we see you. And me and him were like, look, we were trotting, trying not to, trying not to get caught. They said, we see you. I said, look, man, I ain't going to wait behind this car for them to get out. I don't know how many there are, but let's run. <laughs> he said, all right, let's run. We booked it through two schools, over three fences, got back into the house, didn't even get caught. We were blessed. It was like, God, you blessed us for being idiots. <laughs> Choose your friends wisely. Same friend about six years, four years later. Now we, we got in trouble. He passed out in a club. We're in a hospital in Huntington Beach. And we said the same thing. Man, we're not, we hadn't grown at all. I said, listen, bro, we're going to get in trouble if we stay in this hospital. We're already late. Let's run. <laughs> he said, all right. We snatched his papers, all the, all the hospital papers. We ran out of the hospital. We climbed into a gated community. We hid for about 20 minutes, and then we said, all right, let's get out of here. So imagine two African-Americans in Newport Beach in a gated community, <laughs> right? So we start trotting along, and all of a sudden, behind a car jumps out several police, and we get arrested, all from him passing out in some club. We were running in the wrong direction. We were trotting along. We had no vision, and we were making the same mistakes along the way. What Habakkuk 2 says is if you get a clear vision, it's a vision from God, you can run without restraint. You can run without restraint, and you'll know you'll be going in the right direction. Last week in our first, ver uh, our first uh, message of this series was on dreams and visions. How many of you are here? Say amen. amen. We saw that peace is found in the interpretation, right? You can get a dream. You can have a vision. We've been, I mean, it's crazy. I don't know about the rest of you this last week, but it got, there was more dreams this week than there was last week in our home, right? But it's all about the interpretation. What does it actually mean so I can find peace? We also saw last week that if nothing changes, nothing changes, right? If you get a dream or you get a vision or you've got a problem or you've got an issue, if you don't change something, nothing will change. If you keep spending money the same way, you'll be just as broke as you were before. If you keep arguing the same way, your, your relationship will be just as damaged as it was before. If you keep not reading and not praying and not going to church like you did before, nothing's going to change. You're, you're going to be the exact same way, right? The same way when we were in seventh grade and we were running because we were making bad decisions. Now we're in high school and we're running because we're making bad decisions. And the result is always the same. Bad things are happening. Why? Because if nothing changes, nothing changes. I'm glad to see a few of you in new seats this morning. Got the message last week. You got to change. The last thing we saw I thought was probably the most important last week uh, was that Joseph, he found his purpose and his destiny within the dreams and visions of someone else, right? It was Pharaoh's dream, but within Pharaoh's dream, Joseph found purpose and Joseph found destiny, and he was able to enter into all the things that God had for him. So many of us have to look around our lives and say, man, who's got dreams? Who's got vision? Maybe if I can help them and get inside that vision and be part of that stream and part of that flow, I can find my destiny. 
I can find my purpose within that. So last week, we all got new seats. We all got our glasses. I told you it was blessed. I think I said on Wednesday night, I saw a couple people took pictures with theirs, had them on the dash, whatever it was. They didn't just leave the message here on Sunday. They took it with them. So for a week now, I hope that all of you have been having 3D vision. Say 3D. 3D is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We need to see in three dimensions. As you walk and live in this world, we should be thinking about the Holy Trinity, and we should be seeing through the lens of the Trinity. We see in the physical, which is the Son. Why? Because the Bible says this, he is God with us. He's Emmanuel, right? You can reach out and touch him. We have this physical realm with the Son. We also see in the spiritual because we have the Spirit. It says that the Spirit makes intercession on our behalf. The Spirit connects heaven with earth, right? In the spiritual realm, if you have the Spirit of God, you can be connected heaven to earth. If you're not seen in that dimension, you're missing out. There's no connection between you and the things of God, the eternal kingdom. And then finally, that third dimension is the Father, and it says that he's the eternal one. He says, I am before there was. I am before there is. I've already been there in the past, and I've already been there in the future. I am eternal, right? So if you can see in those three dimensions, believe me, as a Christian, you will be strong and you will have vision. You'll be able to walk or you'll be able to run when others have to walk when others have to trot, when others can't see what's around the corner or what's ahead of them. If you can see in 3D, wow, you're ahead of the game. If the vision's clear, we can run. Philippians 1.6 puts it like this. He who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. If he gave you a vision, if you're running towards that vision, if you're pursuing Christ still, just as uh, faithfully, And with just as much passion as you were in the beginning when you first got saved and you knew you were going for uh, death and destruction and you uh, found that lifeline and you held on tight to it, if you're still living your walk with God like that and you have vision, he's faithful to bring it to completion, it says. The things that he showed you, the places he said that you could go, the things that he said he'd deliver you from, he's faithful to complete that. The issue is when we get off the road, when we stop pursuing him, when we lose sight of the vision, So here's the opposite. If he's faithful to complete it and you run when you have a vision, if you instead of have 3D, you have me D, (laughs) where you're the center of your universe and you cannot see what God wants, what his vision is, that's the only place where you and I find purpose and destiny is in what God wants and in his vision. If you're not seeing that and you see in me D, this is what Proverbs 29, 18 says, Where there is no revelation or vision, the people cast off restraint. You can't see. There's no revelation. God hasn't given you any vision. You don't know where you're taking your family. You don't know where you're taking yourself. You you can't see around any corners. You can't see a month ahead. There's no revelation. There's no vision. The Bible says we cast off restraint. What that means is we're still going to run, but we will not stay the course. We will not stay on the track that the Lord laid out before us, which means what? We end up running, but we run in circles. How many of you are tired and you're trying to figure out, why am I so tired and I haven't gotten anywhere? It's depressing to run with all you've got and never arrive at the intended location. That's the story of too many Christians. I ran, I went, I gave, I prayed, but I never received what it was that I was looking for. You know why? Because you had no vision. You didn't know where you were supposed to be running and you just decided to run without restraint. As long as, I'm in, as long as I'm in church and I'm running, I should be okay, right? No, that's not right. You need to run with intentionality. You need to run with a goal in mind. You need to run with a vision in your heart that's guiding you. 
I hope you can see that vision. And if you can't yet, it's okay. By the time we get done with this series, hopefully you will. Somebody say amen. So here's what I want to do. I want to play a quick video for you guys, and then we'll see what it is that, uh, that God has for us this morning. In this video, I thought it was interesting that it said, <clears throat> what we try to do is give them glasses to be able to see further into the future, but what that actually does, it makes them dependent upon that for the rest of their lives. They're never able to truly see far away. What you and I have to do, it says, is you have to catch it early in a child and reverse nearsightedness. If you are a child of God in this place this morning, say amen. Hopefully, it's early enough for each and every one of us to reverse any nearsightedness we have and be able to see into our future with true vision. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for an opportunity to be in it, Lord God. I pray that you would truly open our eyes, cast a vision for us, Lord God, that is further down the road, so far down the road, Lord, that we can no way get there without you, Lord, that we would be dependent upon you, that we would hold your hand, Lord God, that you would correct our vision and heal our vision, Lord. We do not want spectacles. We do not want uh, some foreign object to help us see, Lord God. We want a true restoration and healing of our eyes, Lord, that we can see what you see, Lord, the way that you intended us to see these things, Lord, that it would process in our hearts and in our minds, Lord, accurately, Father. Help us this morning. 
to encounter you. Help us this morning to see what it is that you have for each and every one of us, that we would not cast off restraint, that we would stay the course, Lord God, that it would be so clear to us that we could run with our vision. We love you and we thank you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So this morning, do you see salvation and healing capped with a ceiling? When you look at your faith this morning, do you say, wow, I'm saved. Praise God for that. I've been healed of some things. Praise God for that. But there is a ceiling. There's only so far I can go. Only so much God wants to do. I haven't seen him do much in a while. He's already working on other people and new things. My time has passed. I just need to just kind of stay in the boat. Salvation and healing with a ceiling. No long-term vision for what else it is that God wants to do. Or do you see the heavens haven't been opened up to you? Do you come into the house of God? Do you get into the word of God saying, the heavens have been opened up to me, the sky that used to be the limit, the sky isn't even the limit anymore. Is that the kind of salvation and walk with God that you have where there's nothing that you can't do, nothing that God won't do, nothing that you have experienced so far that is going to be greater than what you're going to experience tomorrow and next year and the year after? How many of you this morning can honestly testify and say every single month, Every single year since I got saved has been better than the last. It's getting greater and greater. I'm going from glory to glory. I look at people who are sad and depressed in their walk, and I say, why? It doesn't have to be that way. You're not more special than me. I'm not more special than you, which means if God will do it for me, he'll do it for you. What are you waiting for? Or is it salvation and healing with a ceiling? Do you see a you beyond your current struggles, and a family beyond its current dysfunction. Can you see that, honestly? Do you see the you that's not depressed? Do you see the you that's not broke? Do you see the you that's not angry? Do you see the you that's not unforgiving? Do you see that person, and are you running towards that that God has shown you? Do you see your family whole, serving God together, loving each other, embracing every time you see each other, calling each other, encouraging each other? Is that the family that God has shown you? Has he given you a vision of that, and are you pursuing it? Ephesians 3.20 says, To him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think. The best you can imagine for yourself is the minimum of what God is capable of doing for you. Think about that. <laughs> I'm beyond what I asked God for when I got saved. How many of you can really testify this morning? Like, remember when you got saved and you were like, they sounded like big dreams in the beginning, but now that was like, it really was just the beginning. You're beyond whatever it is that you thought, oh God, if you would just do this, just give me a family. Just heal me from my addiction. Just do this, Lord, please. And those things have been done so long ago, and he's done so much more since that it's like he can do exceedingly and abundantly beyond what we can ask or think, the Bible says. So why are we not dreaming big? Why are we not asking again? You know what my kids do when they ask for something and they get it? They ask and ask and ask for more. God says he's a good, good father. You have not because you ask not, he says. And then the other place it says you, ask, you have not because you ask amiss. There is the possibility that we'd be asking for the wrong things. <laughs> but I'd rather be corrected and ask for the right things than not be asking at all. 
So I'm going to tell you three stories this morning about one man as they relate to his nearsightedness. And we'll see if any of that relates to you and I this morning about being nearsighted. We can't see those things that are ahead of us. Our focus is only narrow and close to us. It's going to be quite a bit of reading this morning, but for me, I think it's some of the most engaging and amazing stories in all the Bible. So hopefully you can follow along and try to have some vision. Say vision. Either put yourself into the shoes of some of the characters in these stories or try to play a movie in your mind, whatever, whatever you need to do to follow along and be engaged this morning. I'm going to start in Daniel chapter 2. I'm going to read this story about uh, King Nebuchadnezzar. If you're ready, say amen. Oh, that's not enough. If you're ready, say amen. amen. Daniel chapter 2, starting at verse 1. It says, in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams and his spirit was so troubled that his sleep left him. Then the king gave the command to call the magicians, the astrologers, the sorcerers, the Chaldeans, to tell the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king, and the king said to them, I have had a dream, and my spirit is anxious to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans spoke to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will give you the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, my decision is firm. If you do not make known the dream to me and its interpretation, you shall be cut in pieces and your houses shall be made an ash heap. Stop there, verse 5, real quick. Listen to what's happening. He wakes up, has a dream, can't sleep, right? He's terrified. He's tormented. He calls all of the smartest people in the kingdom, brings them in and says, I got to know what it is. They said, tell me your dream. We'll tell you what it means. He says, no, I'm not going to tell you my dream. Not only do you have to tell me the interpretation, you have to tell me what the dream was first. And then he says, not only that, but if you don't do it, I'm going to kill you, cut you in pieces, and cut your family and burn them. Imagine that. You're supposed to be the smart people. You're supposed to be the sorcerers and astrologers. Don't just give me an interpretation that could be or could not be. Tell me the dream first. If you're with me, say amen. It's a tall order. Say amen. Verse 6, however, if you tell the dream and its interpretation, you'll receive from me gifts, rewards, and great honor. Therefore, tell me the dream and its interpretation. They answered again and said, let the king tell his servants the dream and we'll give the interpretation. The king answered and said, I know for certain that you would gain time because you see that my decision is firm. If you do not make known the dream to me, there is only one decree for you. For I have agreed to speak lying and, or excuse me, for you have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the time has changed. Therefore, tell me the dream. I'll know that you can give me its interpretation. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, there is not a man on earth who can tell the king's matter. Therefore, no king, no lord, no ruler has ever asked such a thing of any magician, astrologer, or Chaldean. It is a difficult thing that the king requests, and there's no other who can tell it to the king except the gods, whose dwelling is not with flesh. They tell him, look, only one who can tell you your dream are the gods, and they don't live here. They don't dwell in the flesh, but don't we know somebody named Emmanuel who says he's what? God with us who came in the flesh? Verse 12, for this reason, the king was angry and very furious. He gave a command, destroy all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree went out and they began killing the wise men. They sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. 
Then with counsel and wisdom, Daniel answered Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree from the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the decision known to Daniel. So Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time that he might tell the king the interpretation. Then Daniel went to his house and made the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they might seek mercies from the God of heaven concerning this secret so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Stop there, verse 18. Daniel goes and gets his best friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he says, listen, we got to pray. We need to know a dream, and we need to know its interpretation, and we know where to go. Get on our knees and ask God to tell us the dream. Last week we said peace comes in the interpretation. This week you learn how to get the interpretation. You have to pray. You have to pray. Verse 20, or excuse me, verse 19. Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. So Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, blessed be the name of God forever and ever for wisdom and might are his. He changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with him. I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and might and you have made known to me what we asked of you. For you have made known to us the king's demand. That's how you praise. That's how you worship. Verse 24, therefore Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. He went and said, to, said thus to him, do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Take me before the king and I will tell the king the interpretation. This isn't in my notes, but I want to share this with you real quick. This is verse 24. Listen to what Daniel does. He doesn't just care about himself. It would have been easy to say, all right, man, whenever you're ready, take me down. I'll tell the king what's up. He says, stop killing the wise men of Babylon. They're not even men of God, but he cares about their lives. And he says, stop. You're killing all the wise men all over the kingdom. You don't have to do that. Stop killing them. Stop hurting them. Stop hurting their families. Bring me to the king. We've got to care about other people. Somebody say amen. Then Ariok quickly brought Daniel before the king, said, to him, said thus to him, I found a man of the captives of Judah who will make known to the king the interpretation. The king answered and said to Daniel, whose name is Belteshazzar, are you able to make known to me the dream which I have seen and its interpretation? Isn't it funny how it's always like the prisoners who God is speaking to? Last time Joseph was in prison when he was spoken to with Pharaoh. Now it says the captives of Judah. Why? Because they were taken slaves by the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar. You know what? Many of us have hard lives. I hear about it on the phone from you. I see it on Facebook from you. We pray about it together about how hard your lives are. But you know what? God will often speak to those who are going through the most difficult things. You know why? Because usually those are the ones who will cry out with passion and sincerity. When our lives are great and good and we're always on vacation, how much time do we spend praying and how often do we hear from God? But when we're going through it, we're constantly praying and asking God for help, and that's when he speaks. Maybe we should stop being so frustrated when we go through things and see it as an opportunity to hear more clearly from God. Amen? Where are we at? 27, Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king has demanded, the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, and the soothsayers cannot declare to the king. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. 
And he has made known to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head upon your bed were these. Stop there, verse 28. I don't know if we're going to make it to the whole message today. Stop in verse 28. Listen to what Daniel says. The king comes to him and says, can you, can you tell me what I want to know? And he says, nobody can tell you. None of your uh, magicians, magistrates, or sorcerers can tell you. But there is a God in heaven who makes these things known. He, before he gets glory for himself by telling him what the dream is, he gives all the glory to God about why he's able to tell him what the dream is. You know what happened to me on Thursday? On my break, I called Nicholas. Him and I pray. We try to pray once a week. We pray in the spirit, and we pray with understanding. He's all the way in London, so I usually come around 11 at 7 p.m. his time. He sets time aside to go into his office. I go into my car, and we begin to pray. We begin to talk. We begin to talk about vision and what God is doing in London, what God is doing here, right? And we're in the middle of praying, <coughs> sitting in my car. All of a sudden, some, some man runs up on my car and knocks on the window, and it scared me because I have my eyes closed. I'm just going for it. We're praying. So I go like that, and Nicholas is on my phone in front of me, and I, I, roll, down the, I roll down the window, and this, it's an older gentleman, and he's running. He's got like a jogger shirt on. He's running. He says, excuse me. And I said, yeah. He said, uh, what's the way? I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm at LAX in Los Angeles, right? And he says, what's the way? And so it clicks in my head. Maybe he saw my license plate that says the way. Maybe he saw the stick in the back of the car. And, and I said, oh, the way, it's a church in Brea, but it's built, it's the, the way is built upon John chapter 14, verse 6, where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's the only one you can find salvation in. That's what I told him. He says, thank you for that. He says, I was meditating this morning before I came out on, on my run, and I felt, I felt something tell me I need to, I need to find the way. So I forget that I'm on the phone with Nicholas until he screams. He says, whoa, whoa, <laughs> right? I completely forgot we're on the phone because I'm talking to this man outside my window. Just imagine that for a second. Think about all the, all the things that you would, might think is an impossibility. A man is in his house who I don't believe is a Christian because I could tell from the way he was talking and what I was saying. He's, it's not like he's a believer, right? But in his meditation, he had a dream, just like Nebuchadnezzar had this dream, right? And he comes up to me and knocks on my door and asks me, what is the way? And I thought about it after he took off running and me and Nicholas are like laughing and like, I can't believe how good God is. It's so, he's so good. It's such good confirmation. God has vision, right? I thought about it afterwards and I, I got a little bit convicted because I was like, man, I almost talked to him more about the church than Jesus, right? Because the first thing that came out of my mouth was, oh, it's a church in Brea. But I'm telling you, it just came out of me. I don't know this man, but I, I really did. I, I preached him. I said, it's about Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through him. That's the only one you can find salvation in. Now imagine if God gives this man a dream. He sees the way on my license plate or sees it on the sticker of the back of my car. He's bold enough to knock on the door. And imagine if I wanted to talk about me and my church. What a waste. What a waste of all the things that God is doing because I can't see in 3D. Daniel says to Nebuchadnezzar, there is a God in heaven, and he reveals. Mm. 
Verse 28, there's a God in heaven who reveals he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head upon your bed were these. As for you, O king, thoughts came to your mind while you were on your bed about what would come to pass after this. And he who reveals secrets made known to you what it will be. But as for me, this secret has not been revealed to me because I have more wisdom than anyone living. But for our sakes, who make known the interpretation to the king, and that you may know that the thoughts of your heart. You, O king, were watching, and behold, a great image. This great image, whose splendor was excellent, stood before you, and, it was, and its form was awesome. This image's head was of fine gold, its chest and arms were of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly iron and partly clay. You watched while a stone was cut out without hands, which struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, the gold were crushed together and became like, like chafe from the summer threshing floors. The wind carried them away so that no trace of them was found. And the stone which struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This is the dream. Now we will tell the interpretation of it before the king. You, O king, you are the king of kings. For the God of heaven has given you a kingdom, power, strength, and glory. And wherever the children of men dwell, or the beasts of the field and the birds of the heavens, he has given them into your hand and has made you ruler over them all. You are this head of gold. But after you shall arise another kingdom inferior to yours, then another, a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. The fourth kingdom shall be as, a strong, as strong as iron and as much as iron breaks in pieces and shatters everything. Like iron that crushes, that kingdom will break in pieces and crush all the others. Whereas you saw the feet and toes partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, the kingdom will be divided. Yet the strength of the iron shall be in it, just as you saw the iron mixed with the ceramic clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly fragile. As you saw iron mixed with ceramic clay, they will mingle, excuse me, they will mingle with the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another, just as iron does not mix with clay. And in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever." Inasmuch as you saw the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God has made known to the king what will come to pass after this. The dream is certain, and its interpretation is sure. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face, prostrate before Daniel. He commanded that they should present an offering, an incense to Daniel. The king answered Daniel and said, Truly your God is the God of gods, the Lord of kings, the revealer of secrets, since you could reveal this secret. Then the king promoted Daniel and gave him many great gifts, and he made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon, just like Joseph, <laughs> and chief administrator over all the wise men of Babylon. Also, Daniel petitioned the king, and he set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the whole province of Babylon. But Daniel sat in the gates of the king. It says, cubits and, uh, the gates with cubits and wits were six. He set it up in plain 
of Dura in the province of Babylon. And King Nebuchadnezzar sent word to, or excuse me, I got to read the first portion of the scripture. Do you have it up there, verse 1? There it is. Also Daniel petitioned the king, and he set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel sat in the gates of the king, verse 1 of uh, chapter 3. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold. Say image. image. Image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its width 6 cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. And King Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar sent word to gather together satraps, administrators, governors, counselors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. He makes an image and every important person in the whole uh, province of Babylon comes. Verse 3, the satraps, administrators, governors, counselors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and officials of the provinces gathered together for this dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar set up. They stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald cried out aloud, to you it is commanded, O peoples, nations, languages, that at any time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, and lyre, and psaltery in symphony, with all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. So at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the horn, flute, harp, and lyre in symphony with all kinds of music, all the people, all the nations, languages, fell down and worshiped the gold image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Everybody say that's a lot. <laughs> what a story, though, about God revealing this dream about Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So here's quickly what I want to share and how it applies to us this morning. Number one, the issue that Nebuchadnezzar has here is nearsightedness. All he can see is what's right before him, and he has no further vision. Think about everything that happened to him and everything that was shown to him. And then think about what Nebuchadnezzar came out seeing. He had a dream. He killed a bunch of people who couldn't interpret it. He found somebody who could interpret it. It came from God, told him the dream, told him what the vision actually meant, <coughs> showed him all kinds of things. And what did he actually come out seeing? He says, so I'm the gold head. Think about that. All he could see and all he could hear and all he took from the whole experience was, I'm the gold head. I'm going to make a gold image and let's get to these people bowing down to me. Talk about being nearsighted and seeing in me, D. Think about what you're supposed to do when you get a vision from God, you get an interpretation from God. And think about the story. It said, listen, after you, it's, the kingdom's going to get weaker and weaker and weaker. Eventually, it's going to be destroyed by the real God, the real king, right? The real Lord of Lords is going to destroy everything, and his kingdom will never end. He didn't care about anything that was going to happen in the future. To his own descendants, his son is going to take over for him, but he had no vision for the future. All he cared about was nearsightedness, what he could see now, and who he was in the story. Does every story that's being played out in your sphere, does it have you at the center of the story? Think about that right now. If you're a husband and a wife here, you know, 
your wife's story is being played out within your sphere, and your husband's story is being played out within your sphere, your children, your friends, your coworkers, everybody's story is being played out within your sphere. You can see it, you can touch it, you can feel it, but ask yourself and be honest this morning, are you the center of all the stories? Is her story about how it affects you because your story is the real story? Are your coworkers there just as extras in the movie of your life? Are they just there to affect you emotionally, mentally, physically, visually? Really think about it for a second. Because that's the issue that Nebuchadnezzar has here. Everything that happened, all that really came from it was, I'm still the sinner, I'm still the golden head, and everybody's going to bow down to me, and I don't care about this God that just showed me something that most people will never get to see in their life. I feel like that's what happens to me quite often, that's what happens to you guys quite often. All these amazing things are happening around us. They're happening to us. And we come out with just a short-sighted vision of everything. (laughs) Somewhere along the story, somebody said, I'm special. Okay, then I'm going to focus on the part that I'm special. Somewhere in this whole amazing story, somebody said X, Y, or Z. And that's all we see. That's all we focus on. You know what happens when you're in a conversation with somebody and they say something and then you stop listening to everything else they say because as soon as they're done, you're going to talk about what you heard at, at... 30 seconds into the conversation. (laughs) It's a problem. Nearsightedness. Builds a golden image and says, everyone's going to bow down to me. That was not what was supposed to happen when his dream was interpreted. Let's go on. Starting from there in verse 8 of Daniel 3, it says, Therefore, at that time, Chaldeans came forward and accused the Jews. They spoke and said to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, O king, you live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and sultry, and symphony with all kinds of music, they shall fall down and worship the golden image. Whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you've set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spoke to them, saying, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I've set up? Now if you are ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, and symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made, well then good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. You see the difference between somebody with no vision and a few people with vision? You see that these are the ones who came as slaves who have been elevated, but they're not afraid of the one who is the king, the earthly king? I don't even have to answer you. I know you're the king. I know you can kill us if you want to, but our God will deliver us. We see beyond your threats. Then they say this, verse 18, But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you set up. 
Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, and the expression on his face changed toward Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He spoke and commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. Seven represents what in the Bible? It's as hot as you can humanly make the fire, right? Verse 20, he commanded certain men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, cast them into the burning fire furnace. These, then these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and their other garments, cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. And therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace was exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they fell down, bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king, look, he answered, I see four men loose, walking around in the midst of the fire, and they're not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar went near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace, spoke, saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire, and the satraps, administrators, governors, kings, counselors gathered together, and they saw these men whose bodies the fire had no power. The hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not on them. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. And they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies, that they should not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree that any people, nation, or language which speaks anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they shall be cut in pieces, and their houses shall be made an ash heap, because there is no other God who can deliver like this. Then the king promised Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province, or excuse me, promoted them in the province of Babylon. So first, he's nearsighted, and he can't see anything that God is trying to show him. All he can focus on is himself. The second problem that he has is the same problem we have. We often forget what's behind us when it's supposed to help us in the future. <laughs> Even when it comes to your nature of being nearsighted, I have a nature of being nearsighted and so do you. But you know what God gives us past experiences for? To help us with our nearsightedness. We're supposed to look back on everything that God has done and say, look, I know I want to be selfish right now. I know I can only hear about my voice and my time and whatever is supposed to be said about me. I know that my nature is to make myself the center of this movie. But because I've seen what God has done in the past, I can't do that. I can't live like that. I can't walk like that. I can't treat people like that. But if you forget what God has done in the past, it's easy to remain nearsighted. Does that make sense this morning? Think about what King Nebuchadnezzar forgot. He says, you know what, I don't really remember Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego having a kosher diet when I first brought them here and they were supposed to eat my delicacies and they said, we're not going to eat your feet, I mean, excuse me, we're not going to eat your food. Remember they told him that? And they looked better than all the people that were eating his food? He forgot that. Then he forgot that Daniel was able to interpret his dream when nobody else could interpret it and saved him and his kingdom 
and saved his friends, and they were elevated to the highest positions in all the kingdom. He forgot about all that. He says, I don't remember. I don't remember them being wiser than everybody. All he sees is them not bowing down. He forgot everything that happened in the past, which made him more nearsighted in the present. If you forget what God has done, to be honest with you, as a pastor, that's probably one of my greatest frustrations. When people come to me about what they're going through right now, as if they don't remember what God had done yesterday and six months ago and a year ago. It's like, how can you be talking like that? Don't you remember what God did? Don't you remember what we were praying for and he came through? Don't you remember what he brought you out of? Why are you acting like that didn't happen? Many of us, we might not do that with God, but we do that with each other so we know how to do it, right? When somebody's treating you bad right now, you quickly remember everything that you did for them. (laughs) Right? Why can't we do that with God? I'm going through something right now, but you know what, God? I don't remember anything that you've done for me. Anything that you've done in me. At the end of this, Nebuchadnezzar says this, even in my nearsightedness, I can see that there is no other God who saves like your God. Think about that. He's nearsighted, he forgets everything, but he says, what I do know and what I do clearly see is that there is no other God who saves like their God serves or saves. You know why he can see that? And you know why you can see that? You know why everybody we know can see that there's no other God who saves like our God? is because you can be nearsighted and still see our God because he's near. The Bible says that he's not far from us, he's near. That he doesn't stay in the kingdom of heaven, he comes down out of the heavens and humbles himself to be a man to walk with you and I. That's why people who don't know him, like Nebuchadnezzar, can still see him. That's why we were able to see him, to come to him and be saved. Because he's near, you can be nearsighted and see him. Hmm. Let me finish up. Last story. Say, I'm going to make it. I've decided that if you guys don't read your Bibles, I'm just going to read the whole thing to you. (laughs) Last story, I'm going to read Daniel chapter uh, 4. Tell me before I do, though, did, did that, did the first two stories help you with context? Like, we've all heard the story of the burning, fiery furnace, right? But did it help to see what happened before that story? To know that Daniel gave him an interpretation of a dream, that Daniel was elevated to the top spot, right? And that Daniel said, I'm bringing Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego with me. And even before that, which I didn't read, go back and read chapter 1. When they came in as slaves, they didn't eat his delicacies, but their faces looked better because they ate vegetables. And God said, and and, uh, uh, Nebuchadnezzar said, and these men, they turned out to be wiser than all the rest that they brought. So then when you throw them into the, the burning fire furnace, it's worse, isn't it? When you know God blesses them, when you know they're the wisest, when you know that they interpreted for you and that you elevate them to the top spot and all you can see is they won't bow down and worship my gold image, they're going in the fire. To me, that context is so important this morning when it comes to being nearsighted and having vision. If you'll slow down and pray and think about the situations we find ourselves in, your, your perspective will change without even having to talk to other people. My nearsightedness makes me frustrated sometimes with my wife about any situation. I'll get frustrated. But if I'm willing to just slow down for a second and think about what's happened in the past and remember certain things, I don't even have to have a discussion with her and she doesn't have to convince me that I'm wrong because God will just show me I'm wrong. 
Last story. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Mary. Last story. Daniel chapter 4. Nebuchadnezzar, the king, to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell on the earth, peace be multiplied to you. Just so you know, context-wise, again, Nebuchadnezzar, look it up. Look up Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian Empire. They run the world, okay? It's not like a small empire somewhere. They have conquered the known world, okay? So when he's talking, he's talking about everybody. All the nations, languages that dwell in the, in the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I thought it good to declare the signs and wonders that the Most High God has worked for me. How great are his signs and how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion is from generation to generation. Can you see the change happening in this man? Verse 4, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at rest in my house and flourishing in my palace. I saw a dream which made me afraid. This is a new dream, church. And the thoughts on my bed and the visions of my head, they troubled me. Verse 6, therefore I issued a decree to bring in all the wise men of Babylon before me, that they may make known to me the interpretation of the dream. Then the magicians and astrologers, Chaldeans and soothsayers came in, and I told them the dream, but they did not make known to me its interpretation. But at last, Daniel came before me. His name is Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God. In him is the spirit of the holy God, and I told the dream before him, saying, Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy God is in you, and no secret troubles you, explain to me the vision of my dream that I have seen and its interpretation. These were the visions of my head while I was on my bed. I was looking, and behold, a tree in the midst of the earth, and its height was great. The tree grew and became strong. Its height reached all the way to the heavens, and it could be seen to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were lovely and its fruit abundant, and in it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it. The birds of the air, or excuse me, the birds of the heavens dwelt in its branches, and all flesh was fed from it. I saw in the vision of my head while on my bed, and there was a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven. He cried aloud and said thus, chop down the tree and cut off its branches. Strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the beasts get out from under it and the birds from, out from its branches. Nevertheless, leave the stump and roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze and the tender grass of the field. Let it be wet with the dew of heaven and let him graze with the beasts on the grass of the earth. Let his heart be changed from that of a man. Let him be given the heart of a beast and let seven times pass over him. This decision is by the decree of the watchers and the sentence by the word of the holy ones in order that the living may know that the most high rules in the kingdom of men gives it to whomever he will, and sets over it the lowest of men. This dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. Now you, Belshazzar, declare its interpretation, since all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation. But you are able, for the spirit of the holy God is in you. Verse 19, then Daniel, whose name is Belshazzar, was astonished for a time, and his thoughts troubled him. So the king spoke and said, do not let the dream or its interpretation trouble you, Belshazzar answered him and said, My Lord, may the dream concern those who hate you, and its interpretation concern your enemies. He's saying, listen, I hope this ain't about you, because this is bad. I hope it's about your enemies. Not concern you. He says, verse 20, The tree that you saw, which grew and became strong, whose height reached into the heavens, and which could be seen by all the earth, whose leaves were lovely, fruit abundant, which had food for all, under which the beasts of the field dwelt, whose branches the birds of the heaven and their, had their home, it's you, 
O king, who have grown and become strong, for your greatness has grown and reaches to the heavens, and your dominion to the end of the earth. And inasmuch as the king saw a watcher, a holy one coming down from heaven and saying, chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave its stump and roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze and the tender grass of the field, let it be wet with the dew of heaven and let him graze with the beasts of the field till seven times pass over. This is the interpretation, O king. This is the decree of the most high, which has come upon my Lord, the king. They shall drive you from men. Your dwelling shall be with the beast of the field and they shall make you eat grass like oxen. They shall wet you with the dew of heaven and seven times shall pass over to uh, pass over you till you know that the most high rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whoever he chooses. And inasmuch as they gave the command to leave the stump and its roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be assured to you after you come to know that heaven rules. Therefore, O king, let my advice be acceptable to you. Break off from your sins by being righteous and your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. Perhaps there may be a lengthening of your prosperity. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of the 12 months, he was walking by the royal palace of Babylon. The king spoke, saying, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my power and for the honor of my majesty? While the word was still in the king's mouth, a voice fell from heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken, the kingdom has departed from you. And they shall drive you out from men. Your dwelling will be with the beasts of the field. They'll make you eat grass like oxen. Seven times shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. That very hour, the word was fulfilled concerning Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven out from men and ate grass like oxen. His body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair had grown like eagles, feathers, and his nails like bird claws. And at the end of time, at the end of the time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven. My understanding returned to me, and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will with the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain his hand or say to him, who, or excuse me, what have you done? At the same time, my reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my honor and splendor returned to me. My counselors and nobles resorted to me. I was restored to my kingdom, and excellent majesty was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all of whose works are truth and his ways justice, and those who walk in pride he is able to put down. One last time. Say, that's a lot. It is a lot, but if you can see it, if you have some vision, that's supposed to be our story. The whole thing is supposed to be our story. God shows up, comes through another man maybe, and tells him what's ahead of him, gives him a vision. He's still self-centered and focused on himself. He tries to hurt the men and women of God, but he can't hurt them. And God still is reaching out to him and trying to bless him. And in his last dream, it says, look, I'm going to take everything that you have and everything that's important. I'm going to take it from you. But listen, if you'll just turn from your sin, if you'll just repent, I'll give it all back to you and more. Talk about a loving God. The God that you and I serve says the same thing to us. Repent, turn, lay it all down, give it all to me, or I'll take it from you if you don't want to give it to me. And when I do take it, if you don't harden your heart, but if you turn to me and you honor me for who I am, I'll restore to you more than you ever lost. Where are you in the chain of events? 
Is God revealing to you through other men and women that he's real? Are you at the point where maybe you've seen the hand of God, but yet you still are focused on self? The men and women who are around you that are supposed to help you, you see them as enemies if they don't exalt you, and you throw them into whatever burning, fiery furnace that you have? (laughs) Or are you at this point where maybe right now you're losing everything? You're losing everything you had, and you want to blame God, but maybe this morning you can see that he's doing that because he loves you. Are you letting it go so you can see him for who he is and repent, or are you reaching and grasping for everything you can hold on to? Think about Nebuchadnezzar at the end of this story. He lost everything, but now he's declaring to everyone, I know who the king is now. What did Paul say? The things that were gained to me, I count them all as loss for being able to know Jesus. These three things God tried to repeatedly tell Nebuchadnezzar. He said, I'm the God of gods, the king of kings, and the Lord of lords. Over and over, he's going to tell Nebuchadnezzar, he's going to tell me, he's going to tell you. The second thing that he did over and over, he said, I speak to men and women and I search their hearts and minds. God wants us to know and he wants everybody to know, listen, I'm not far, I'm close. I speak to men, I speak to women, right? I will have them show up at your door and knock on the door and ask you, what is the way? I still speak to people and I search their hearts and I search their minds. Can you see it? The last thing, the third thing he says is that all that any man or woman has is from me. I give it and I take it away. Think about that. I'm the king of kings, the Lord of lords. I talk to men and women. I know their hearts and I know their minds. And everything you have, whether you know me or not, it came from me. I give it and I take it away. If you have anything and you deny me right now, you should be afraid because the same way I gave it to you, I can take it from you. And if that's what I have to do to get you to come into right relationship with me, I will. If you know these three things, you know everything that you need to know to be saved. And if you're already saved this morning, he's given you everything you need to have vision. If you're nearsighted, it's not because God doesn't want to give you vision. It's because we've settled for glasses when we feel like we want to see far away. He's saying, let me restore your eyes. Let me give you real vision. Let me show you what's really going on. If I'm willing to do that with King Nebuchadnezzar, you think I won't do that with you? I'll show you everything. Sometimes it's going to make you feel like you're a crazy person. In the church, I can tell a story about being there, praying, praying in the spirit with somebody halfway across the world, right? And somebody knocking on my door and literally asking me, how do I get to heaven? And why did I have a dream that I don't understand? But you know what the Bible says? To the world, it's foolishness. It sounds like crazy talk. I thought about it. I probably still will just because now I I put myself out there. I thought about putting it on Facebook, but I was like, it's not going to matter to them. It should matter to you. It wouldn't have mattered to me back then. I'd have been like, see, I knew they were crazy. I'm never going to that person's church. (laughs) But for us, it's supposed to be like, dang, he still talks to people? I'm in awe. Like, I've I've told three or four people, but I I won't tell them the whole story because I wanted to wait until I could tell all you guys at church. I'm just in awe that that happened to me. And I wonder, just like Daniel said, you know what Daniel said? He said, God didn't show me because I'm better than everybody else. He just showed me because he wanted to save me and save my friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. God didn't have what happened to me happen on Thursday because I'm better than anybody. 
what I'm trying to figure out now, what I need to pray about, like it said Daniel did with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they went and prayed. I need to pray like, God, why did you show me that? Why did you let that happen to me? Of all the places I could be and the things that I could be doing, and you know what's funny? I'm like everybody else. Sometimes I'm tired. I know the 11 o'clock hits, I'm supposed to call Nicholas and we're supposed to pray, but you know what? Sometimes I just don't feel like it. Sometimes I'm hungry. Sometimes I'm tired. Sometimes I want to take a nap on my lunch break. But something said, call. You need to pray. Call. And you know what I did when I called? I was like, man, I hope he's busy. <laughs> right? That way I could say, look, Lord, I did my part, but hey, he ain't ready. <laughs> but it was, it was such a blessed time. You know how it is when you, when you finally get into it and we're praying, it's like, oh, God, I'm so glad that I called. And then when that happened, like I said, I forgot. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> and it's like, it's like, man, I could have missed it. Last night when I heard the testimonies about what happened with our youth, and I thought specifically about Gary as our youth leader because his wife is going through it right now. She's bedridden. She, she's not allowed to leave the house. They have her hooked up to a blood pressure thing all the time. And he could have said, you know what? I'm just not going to go to the youth thing tonight. Junior and, and Zach, they can handle it. He would not let me leave last night for telling me all the things that happened. And, I, and all those pictures are his pictures about the kids crying. He said all the girls were in tears at the altar. And all he could think of was, man, I could have missed it. I could have missed it. But if God is king of kings and lord of lords, I guarantee he'll take care of my wife while I take the youth to an event and come back to her. Amen? Amen. So I read a lot. I kept you a little bit long. Please, go back. Daniel's only 12 chapters. You've already read three of them. <laughs> but we're family. Somebody say we're family. We got we, we to do it sometime. Stand with me. Let's pray. Some other churches might say, you know what, maybe you should do that on Wednesday night. I don't care. <laughs> we want to see things differently in this place. Amen? Amen? We want to see things differently. So last thing I'll say as we, as we pray is this, this whole story is about Nebuchadnezzar, a king, and a man that didn't really know God. And you could see, you could see his old life meshing with the new life that God was trying to build in him, right? He kept saying, my gods versus your gods. He kept telling Daniel, you know, your God, the one that you serve, that, that you're filled with his spirit, he tells you everything, but my gods, you know, there was this old and new and this process that he was going through. And just think of how intentional God was about trying to speak to Nebuchadnezzar. How focused God was on, man, I want to show him. I want to teach him. I want him to know me. I want him to understand. I want him to feel my presence. I want to go from being Daniel's and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego's God to being his God. I care. I want him. I don't want him to die and not know me and not be able to come to heaven. If God was that focused and intentional upon a non-believer, how focused and intentional do you think he is upon his sons and daughters? If he cares that much about the people that don't know him and don't serve him, how much do you think he wants to talk to those of you who do know him and have given your life to him? He wants to talk to you. As the song says, all we have to do is come before him, bow before him, honor him, and say, Lord, show me your glory. <laughs> show me who you are. Shine a light into my dark areas. 
Make me aware of things I'm not aware of. Show me what's around the corner that I can't see. But if I can see in 3D, I can go around the corner. I can go to heaven and back. I can go to eternity past and I can go to eternity future. The Bible says that the Spirit prays for us and makes intercession on our behalfs. Why? Because we don't even know what we should be praying. What that means is we are finite. We can only pray about what we're going through right now and what our friends are kind of going through and how it makes us feel. But the Spirit can pray from eternity past and eternity future. Specific prayer is exactly what you need. We got to see in 3D. We got to have vision. Got to have vision. Lord, I thank you this morning for your word. I thank you that your word is sufficient. We learned last year that by scripture alone, Lord, that's the authority. That's the truth. It's your word and not my word, Lord. You give us experiences, Lord God. You give us these divine appointments to remind us that you are engaged in what is happening here on this planet, that you have not forgotten us, Lord, that no matter where we are, you can not only send your angels to minister to us, Lord God, but you can send those who are hurting and lost and confused to us to find answers, Lord. I pray that we would all be like Daniel, Lord. When it's time to give the answers, when it's time to give the testimony, that we would not talk about ourselves, that we would not exalt ourselves, but that we would only exalt the name of Jesus. That we would begin to testify about who you are and what you've done, what you're doing and what you've shown us you're going to do in the future, Lord God. We are not exempt. That call to go and to make disciples and to be uh, washed by the blood of the Lamb and saved by our testimony, it goes out to all of us, Lord. Give us a boldness. Give us a confidence. Give us those opportunities, Lord. Send people to us and prepare us for them, Lord God. Get us right like you did with Nebuchadnezzar, Lord God. That we would fully be done with the old, fully be in with the new, Lord God. We're tired of being nearsighted. We want vision into the future, Lord. Watch over your sons and your daughters who are here in this place this morning, Lord God, as we leave from here that we could see in 3D, Lord. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're here this morning, and maybe today for the first time, you're seeing in 3D, you didn't know that there was a Father, a Son, a Holy Spirit, that you could see things, that he would show himself to you, that he would send answers for the deepest and most important questions of your life. Maybe you're starting to be aware of it. Maybe you feel like your senses are being awakened to things that they were not awoke to before. Now is the time. Now is the present. He's sending these messages to you that you would respond. He doesn't want you to be nearsighted. He doesn't want you to forget what he's done and what he's shown you. He just wants you to respond. Don't wait until you lose everything you have. Don't wait until you have to come crawling. Like it said about Nebuchadnezzar, his hair had grown out. His nails were grown out like a, uh, like a bird. He had claws. He was in the worst place he'd ever been in, but it wasn't because he had to be there. It was because he couldn't see what God was trying to show him. If you're here, God is trying to show you something. It's not to be in a building. It's not to be in a group. It's not to say you went to church. It's to know the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that he intervenes in the affairs of men and women still, that he came to seek and to save that which was lost, and he giveth and he taketh away. Naked you came into this world, and naked you shall return. 
You're made out of dust and you're going to return to dust. You'll either be resurrected with a new body that will last for eternity in heaven with God, or you'll be resurrected with a new body that can endure unbearable pain and suffering for all of eternity in hell. That's what's ahead of all of us. One of the two. This morning, if you see it just a little bit for the first time, would you give your life to him? Would you ask him to speak to you? Would you say, if you're real, come into my life and save me? Would you ask him? Would you repent? Would you say, forgive me of my sins? Forgive me for making myself the center of the story of my life when you need to be the center of the story? Now is your opportunity. I pray you'd respond. Raise your hand if that's you. You see him, you hear him, you feel him in some way calling you. Anybody, hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Amen, I see you. He sees you. He sees your hearts. Number two today, he said, I search the hearts and the minds. We see you. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, make yourself the center of their lives. Show yourself to them, Lord God. Show us all your glory, Lord. No more nearsighted living, Lord. We will not cast off restraint. Make the vision clear that we can run. You want to see us running, Lord. You want to see us running, Lord. Lord, a hedge of protection as we go. Watch over our children, Lord. We know, and many here will know as they read on, in Daniel chapter 5, Nebuchadnezzar's son left everything that his father had begun to follow. His son did not know you, God, and he died without knowing you. As we elevated young people to youth group tonight, as we have our children in the children's church tonight, Lord, oh, I pray that we're not the center of attention here. I pray that we're not the center of everything that you're doing here, Lord. Don't let us forget them. Connect the dots for us, Lord. Save our children, God. Give them vision, Lord. And watch over them. Watch over us as we go. We love you and we thank you in the name of Jesus. The church says, amen.